Good evening. For me, it's evening. Welcome to Life Path Healings. Dr. Marie Foyer. I am outside Southern California walking my dog, so you will probably hear background noise occasionally. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is a new media for me and a little challenging, to say the least. And I deeply appreciate the encouragement I've been getting from various people. I, for a long time, have talked about healthy stress and the fact that here on Earth, everything on this plane thrives with stress. And without stress, things begin to atrophy and die. For a chicken to get out of an egg, it has to fight its way out. For a plant to grow, it has to push out of a hard shell of the seed, push down through the earth, and push up through the light. And it's a fight. It's effort. It's energy. And there's also discomfort that goes with that. So I always love when I find a famous person that I respect, who says the same thing I say. Some of that is my own insecurity, that I'm not famous, and maybe people won't really listen to me because of that. But in this case, it's also because this is Brene Brown, who talks about this all the time. Healthy stress, conscious discomfort, learning to be resilient as the only way to heal shame, along with, of course, sharing about it. And she is research-based, so that adds to it, that what I've been teaching for years, based on my own research, there's actually this phenomenal woman who is researching vulnerability, shame, human growth, resilience. So I want to talk about this because this to me is one of the biggest blocks to a spiritual path is the prevalence right now of toxic positivity and the absolute abhorrence of doing anything that causes discomfort. It has polluted everything. So for people who are going after self-care, It has to do with nails getting done, getting a massage, and a bubble bath. Well, self-care, to me, has a lot more to do with how am I going to get through a difficult spot. If I have to, say, for example, climb this emotional mountain in front of me, instead of running off to get a massage, or watching television, or drinking... How do I use all of my tools in order to creatively face the discomfort in the best way possible, knowing that it is a good challenge, a good obstacle for myself? Self-care requires the ability to handle stress face stress, use stress, use discomfort in order to improve the quality of our life, 
body, mind, and spirit, all aspects, and to use self-care and increase our self-care skills by facing discomfort and healthy stress creatively and consciously. I think Brene Brown refers to it as conscious discomfort. In other words, we consciously choose to go through something that we know is going to cause us discomfort because it's in our best interest. This is not as simple as it sounds. If you haven't started self-healing, it's very hard to have discernment between am I doing conscious discomfort and healthy stress or am I punishing myself with a challenge that perhaps is not very healthy because I grew up with abuse or neglect or stress or anxiety and I'm so used to it, I choose that instead of an easier path. How do you know whether or not you're doing that, choosing a difficult path, or actually choosing healthy stress or conscious discomfort? If you haven't been working on raising your own consciousness first, facing the history of your childhood in order to find out what you were taught as a child, in order to then unlearn that and learn new skills and self-care, you're going to have a very difficult time with healthy stress. I have yet to meet anyone who has gone through the path of self-healing alone. We are, by nature, tribal. We used to live together in communities where we had elders, we had a men's lodge, a woman's council, a shaman, and we had plenty of resources for both talking and observing and having role models on how to get through difficult times. In this era, you have to find someone who is a shaman or an elder or a group that's a woman's council or a men's lodge. And if you think you can do it completely alone with spirit, I have seen that happen. But that is typically a very dramatic and austere practice of tremendous hours of meditation, alone time, and confronting your demons through energy and silent meditation. An excellent book, if you would like to look at that kind of journey, is The Daughter of Fire by Irina Tweedy. She went through her growth spiritually by sitting at the feet of a guru in India. That's all she did. And her demons came up and her world changed. She was in her 60s when she sold everything she owned and went to sit in the hot sun and in the dust of India for, I think it was at least a year. That's not available to most people at this point. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that journey. And most Westerners I know don't have the fortitude to 
do that kind of very focused um, path. So, talking to the modern world here, in the beginning of a journey, conscious discomfort and healthy stress might be simply working with someone on shame, your deepest, darkest secrets, your self-hatred, your self-loathing, your control issues, your overeating issues, your sexual dysfunctions or fantasies, etc. That right there is a start. As you go along, at some point, you will, even while working with someone, have choices on how willing you are to experience discomfort and experience stress, healthy stress. Because a therapist, a healer, a teacher cannot make you progress or go into material you don't want to touch. This means that very often people go to therapy or go to a group for years or decades for fellowship, for validation, for soothing. You'll see this sometimes even in 12-step meetings that people go simply for fellowship. They want the companionship. They're not that interested in working on the steps. They're not very interested in working with a sponsor or they get a sponsor And actually, sponsors are not supposed to challenge you at all anyway. They are people who share their experience, strength, and hope. So how do you get out of a stuck place where you're too scared to experience any kind of discomfort regarding yourself and your shame and your vulnerability? You're too scared to take some chances with healthy stress. You can start to train yourself in this area by choosing some very time-limited, low-risk activities. For example, let's say you decide to call a friend once a week for three weeks and talk to them on a more serious level about how you're doing and how they're doing. If you're someone who never calls anybody, or if you call them, you chit-chat about weather or hiking or the beach or the news, this would be a huge step for you to practice tolerating some discomfort and some stress. It would be three times with a week in between each time so you could process and recover and notice what happens to you and notice your skills of self-care when you feel stressed out. Notice whether your conversations of self-hatred, self-loathing, self-criticism kick up every time 
you do this one activity of calling a friend just to say hi and having a somewhat deep conversation. Definitely not a fluffy conversation. That would be one great way to start. Then you could see if you want to go from there with that friend or with another friend. I always encourage 12-step meetings because that's a very great place to take risks and be in discomfort in a very, very safe place because all people do there is clap. But going to a 12-step program like Adult Children of Alcoholics or codependency or groups for sexual abuse, sometimes that can be too much for people because you're going to meetings where you're going to hear a lot of very uh, deep and important sharing about people who were harmed and their struggle to recover and get healthy and have a more joyous life. So you could try instead Toastmasters where you learn to be under enormous discomfort and stress. I think public speaking is the number two cause for heart attack in the world. I'm joking. It's not really, but it is one of the great areas of terror for most people. And Toastmasters, they don't talk about anything deep. They just talk. It is a club that has been formed. I believe it's international, but it's definitely national very inexpensive. You almost always can find a meeting locally. And the idea is that you practice talking in front of strangers about many different topics, many different things. And you practice being able to talk on your feet and you practice being able to prepare a speech. And once again, everybody claps. Very safe, very structured, time limited, No one can force you to go to the meeting. You can always quit if you want to. So that, to me, is even less risky than going to a 12-step meeting or going to a therapist or going to some kind of group to share. Setting yourself up to practice learning to tolerate discomfort, to choose healthy stress, builds up your resilience muscles. Meaning that when you do something that has discomfort, especially if it's important to you, there's a good chance you're going to spin out for a while. Then you have to pull yourself back together. Then you have to reframe the spin out from I'm a loser to self-care and look what I learned. It's a tremendous process. It's a tremendous skill to learn. If you're coming out of trauma, and this can include emotional trauma, this can uh, include a dysfunctional family where, especially if you're a sensitive child, the dysfunction of the parents is enough to send you into dissociation, where you learn to go into flight, fight, or freeze, and you check out of your body, Because you're a kid, you can't get away, you don't have coping skills, so you learn to be kind of a sock puppet going through life. And as you get older, you find you have few memories of your childhood, just some bits and pieces here. 
So you don't need to suffer enormous sexual abuse in order to learn how to dissociate or order in order to learn how to run away from any kind of discomfort or stress. This means that not only do you not have skills to tolerate discomfort, you have no skills for resilience, you literally will not have the neural pathways for it either. Your brain and your brain chemistry has a disconnect. It's like the train doesn't run there. So it is important to begin to build that up, both neurologically, biologically, and emotionally, in order to begin the journey of healing. One of the, I want to say, obstacles to healing, especially healing shame, is that people very often in modern psychology are taught coping skills. So they learn to cope in order to continue to get through life. But what they don't learn is to have the strength and resiliency and self-care skills to heal so that rather than needing to cope they can just be because they're no longer triggered by old wounds or unconscious wounds coping mechanisms are excellent they're a great thing to do and there's nothing wrong with them but to just learn those without learning why you need them in the first place takes you only so far. Brene Brown's research on vulnerability and shame has shown over and over again with research, including thousands of people in her studies, that the path to healing shame is becoming resilient being able to be resilient, meaning you can get triggered and come back. You can hit your shame wall and come back. You can fail and come back. As you begin to do this, you discover how brave you are and your self-esteem, your sense of self-value starts to rise as you see yourself becoming your own champion, your own knight in shining armor. Building resilience means you have to place yourself in places of discomfort and places of stress. This will also include, in your journey of healing, by the way, stressing the body out. The body and the mind, the body and emotions are inseparable. So as you start to heal, you will also learn to heal your body. Again, this is a fine line because many people are very good at stressing their body out in a kind of punishment as a way to dissociate. 
They lift weights, they run, they go hiking in order to check out, not to check in. So if you haven't learned healthy stress, if you haven't learned conscious discomfort yet, start slow, time limited, low risk, even though it's going to feel very risky, until you start to feel the difference between stress to run away and not feel, and healthy stress in order to challenge yourself to feel. All of this carries over into your spiritual development as well. Because having a relationship with Source, being able to feel energy, it is at times terrifying to feel the grace of Spirit to feel energy coming into your body and, in a sense, reorganizing your atoms, reorganizing your energy while you sit there and receive it. And you have no idea exactly what's being done because spirituality requires faith. If you're not used to discomfort, if you can't face fear, as part, which is part of healthy stress, you will find yourself on a spiritual path where you're kind of bossing spirit around. You pray for what you want. You thank spirit for what you get. And it isn't a deep, true relationship, but instead it's another coping mechanism where you turn to spirit in order to fix the things that make you uncomfortable. If you read the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or any of the religious scripts of any of the religions, you will find stories of unbelievable discomfort and stress. Those scriptures are written in part to model for us how difficult and challenging faith can be. Because when we're working with Source, Source is going to heal us in ways we don't even know exist yet. We can't even imagine the places we can be taken to. And having that layer of trust is enormously frightening. It can be very stressful. And it definitely causes a lot of discomfort. The road to freedom is not filled with pillows and chocolate sundaes. It just isn't. However, it does give you a lot of pillows and chocolate sundaes, but just not all the time, and certainly not when you demand it. Learning to create healthy stress in your life As you heal and you get more sophisticated, you're going to have to get more creative because now your tolerance level for discomfort is pretty high. It's pretty good. It's a little bit like being married and sex with the same lover after 15 years. You have to get a little creative. You have to reinvent dating. You have to reinvent the excitement of the marriage. You have to have better discussions, etc., And it takes work. The people I know in great marriages have always said to me, it's a second job. 
it's for some it's the first job but it's definitely a second job it takes a lot of time and energy and investment your relationship to spirit is the same thing too it starts off very simple but if you continue to live an awakened and conscious life you're going to have to up your spiritual practice. You're going to have to create some healthy stress there. And so how do we do this? We have to get very creative. We have to start thinking about new things we've never done. Maybe we do research. Maybe we read things. Maybe we try new practices. So healthy stress, conscious discomfort, it takes a lot of thinking as well as intuition. It often takes a lot of structure, as well as, quote, go with the flow. And it is a constant process. In other words, as soon as you conquer one area of stress for yourself, then it's up to you if you want to keep moving on. I can tell you that, in general, people have heard me say this a lot, so forgive me, but in therapy, people usually go to therapy to put out fires. As soon as the fires are put out, they quit therapy. And they go back to the way things were, or they're at a slightly better level of coping. But the real progress, the real joy of therapy, is to go when everything is good in your life. Because now you have some freedom to go beyond your current limitations to go deeper than you've gone before because there's no fires to put out. But many people are addicted to fires and putting them out because it keeps them away from pain. So very often you may think that you are creating healthy stress, conscious discomfort, and instead you're creating distractions. You're creating problems for yourself that you're comfortable with. You're comfortable with the drama, the adrenaline. You're comfortable with the particular suffering of that particular fire. And you put it out. And then you create it again. And you put it out. So as you go along, it's very helpful to keep checking in with someone. A healer, a teacher, a therapist, etc., we can get stuck in a place that we think is growth, but instead it's distraction. Yes, also, spirit can help us with this, but how many people actually have a spiritual practice where they actually sit and listen and connect with Source? Few, compared to those who say they're spiritual ones that actually have a practice, very, very few. So, as you go along in your development, should you choose to do that, spiritually, the same thing can be true. Many people come to life path healings when their life is on fire, and when it's up and running, they stop coming, which is fine. However, you can bet they've done this before and they'll do it again. They want to go along until there's a fire and then they'll find something to do to put out the fire. 
This can be an endless cycle in a lifetime. Living a conscious, awakened spiritual life means that once the fires are put out, this is where it gets really scary because now you have a chance to meet yourself. But very often, not only in spiritual practice, but in therapy, clients or students will blow up their sessions. They will sabotage them, dynamite them, really go to great extremes to do that, just almost beyond imagination, in order to justify leaving at that point. Because it's so terrifying to reach a place that's peaceful and to reach a place where new stressors are coming in instead of the old ones. The new stressors and the new discomforts are how to be honest, how to be peaceful, how to get along with an authority figure, how to show up and not be codependent and be a people pleaser. I mean, how do you even have a conversation as a normal person? So it's very typical to find people at a especially after a breakthrough in therapy or in meditation, that they either leave or create a crisis to justify leaving. And it takes quite a few years to come back from that. How do you know if your leaving is healthy or it is you creating a crisis? I would say that if you're leaving cool, calm, and collected, feeling connected to your teacher, your therapist, your group, your healer. You feel like in a neutral, good, loving place. It might be a good time for you to step away for a while. But if you have any adrenaline on it, any conversation running in your head of, yeah, I'll show them, or this is bad, and there's heat about it, there's controversy about it in your chemistry, in your brain, in your self-talk. You can bet you're being reactive. The same thing is true, for example, in relationships. If you leave a relationship with drama, adrenaline, or because you started having sex with someone else, and that is running through your veins in the moment, you can bet that relationship is not over and you will find a repeat. You will find a new person and you will do the relationship class all over again. The one exception to this will be if it is an abusive relationship, sexually, physically, or emotionally, if for example they're a narcissist or narcissistic person then yes, you're going to leave with a lot of emotion. But if you are walking away from any profound relationship, be it parents, siblings, good friends, or someone who's been helping you, and you've got some huff in you about it, you've got some, huh, I'll show them, or that's enough, I've had enough, and rah, 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 I need to take a break. I guarantee you that you are running from healthy stress and you are running from conscious discomfort. It's easy to talk about this material 
in this kind of facile, generic storytelling way, going through it is just a whole other experience. And everybody goes through this differently. So there's no one way to do this. Listening to Brene Brown and Nicole LaPera, who is the holistic psychologist on Instagram, who I love. They have some great YouTubes out, great material out, and reading it is wonderful. But that's like reading the menu at a restaurant and your mouth is salivating and, oh, you can almost smell the food. And then you put the menu down and go home and you think you've had a meal. (laughs) So... Have the Courage to Heal. There's a great book with that title, by the way. I remember somebody recently said to me, I read that book and I finally understand the title. It does take courage to heal. It actually takes courage to just be in your body and be an authentic person. Don't run from stress. Don't run from discomfort. And get some help, especially in the beginning, to figure out if you are staying in unhealthy stress and unhealthy discomfort. You cannot discern this alone, especially in the beginning. And very often throughout your life, every time you're going through some big changes, you might need somebody to check in with. I hope this helps. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings.